welcome to a new year. It's 2023. It's, uh, I've definitely reached the age where I've started to forget what new year it is. You know, it feels like welcome to the new year. It feels like it should be 2016, you know, 2019, something of that nature. We're not only into the 2020s, we're getting to the midpoint, pretty close to the midpoint of the 2020s. Time seems to be flying by. And during this time on New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, we tend to become reflective. This is a time, yesterday we had our New Year's Eve service, we had an opportunity to come together and we had an opportunity to reflect on the past year and to look forward to the new year as well. And yet this is a time that can be quite stressful and anxiety producing for people. When they bring out perhaps that list from their wallet of their resolutions from the last year and see how few they've been, they're able to check off, or when they look back over the last year and perhaps uh, things on a global scale or things on even an internal scale and uh, look at things that appear to be going in the wrong direction and look forward with anxiety to a time period in the future where perhaps they may continue to go in an even worse uh, uh, way. Our minds, depending on our frame of mind, are filled with great hopes for the future, hopes that this year our resolutions for exercise will make it past January 10th, you know, things uh, that hope for some great uh, hitherto unenjoyed blessings will be ours in 2023, or perhaps, again, depending on our frame of mind, look forward with fear as to some great terrible, difficult thing that we will have to be going through in 2023. Well, when we come together on a uh, first of the year, I think it is useful to look forward and to look back. After all, it is uh, interesting that we do this month, January, is named after the mythical Roman god Janus, who had two faces, one looking back, one looking forward. Uh, they worshipped him as a god of beginnings. And so, during this time in January, the first day of January, uh, it is something that historically people have done, looking back and looking forward. And we as Christians can look back and look forward. But I think it's useful as well to look back and look forward, not simply in the uh, microcosm of our current life and current days on this earth, but also in an eternal scale. And when we come to Revelations... We are, uh, by, while reading through Revelations, reading the global scale of the conflict that we are in if we are children of God, and that in fact we are in on the wrong side if we are not children of God. It's, I think, extremely uh, beneficial to us that yesterday, if we are reading through the Bible on our calendar, we read about the end of all things. In Revelation chapter 2, when he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it and either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. 
That is the end. That is the end of the story. We read the end of the story yesterday. And today, if you were beginning again to read through the scripture, you read the beginning of the story. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We have in our scripture the global, the cosmic, the eternal story with the beginning and the ending. Of course, there is no real ending of the story because it will continue through eternity, but the end of anything new will simply be in existing and glorifying God. And so we have this global, cosmic, eternal story, and we know the beginning and the end. God created everything. God created life. God created uh, us, and we also see the end, where if we are believers, we will spend eternity with God. And as Christians, this global understanding, this this, uh, understanding of this great work that God is doing, can cause two different reactions in us. We know that God is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And so for some Christians, there is a temptation to say, well, God is fully in control. God is sovereign. And we know the end of the story. If I have believed on him, I will have everlasting life. And therefore, I can kind of take it easy. I know the end of the story is coming. I can take it easy. And I've been in Sporting events, perhaps uh, you have uh, been engaged in sporting events where all of a sudden you look at the scoreboard and you say, this lead is insurmountable. This lead is insurmountable. We had a story like that where uh, on my hockey team in law school, the University of Minnesota Law School fighting Mondales, quite a a team we had, and we were playing in the intramural uh, uh, season in hockey, and uh, we got to the last game of the year, and we were a very, very good team. No thanks to me, but we were a very, very good team. But for a team full of lawyers, we were also very argumentative. And so in order to qualify for the intramural playoffs, which we surely would have won, we had to not simply have qualified versus, uh, by the points that we accumulated over the course of our season. We also had to have a good conduct score. And so our, our captains informed us at the end of the year, in this game, literally all we need to do, we could lose by 20 goals, it would not matter, all we have to do is be on good behavior, be on good behavior. And uh, that worked out well for about a period and a half, and then one of uh, the members of our team who actually was a captain himself showed up, he had just heard earlier that day that his offer from a large law firm had been pulled. He was very angry. The first shift he gets on the ice, he punches somebody in the face and then conf- like starts screaming at the referee, gets kicked out. The other captain followed him back and fought him in the locker room. And so this is, uh, and it turned out we did not qualify for the playoffs. All we needed to do was sit on the lead. The lead was insurmountable, but unfortunately the character uh, score was what doomed us. But every one of us, I think, perhaps has had times where we look at this and we go, Hey, we're up by four touchdowns, and there's a minute and a half left. We're good to go. We just have to make it to the end. And sometimes as Christians, that is a temptation. The other temptation that we have with great, uh, with an understanding of the great uh, battle that is going on can be one of fear. This is when we start 
looking not at the forces of good and evil that are fighting uh, in the heavenlies, as it were, but when we start looking at the uh, battle of good and evil on this earth. Because even though every single one of us would, I, I hope, acknowledge that we are on the victorious side, we are more than conquerors, that in fact at the last day that God will conquer the devil, that old serpent, and cast him into uh, the lake of fire. We know that that is the ultimate end, and yet as Christians when we begin to look at uh, the battle of good and evil on earth, we can become quite, quite uh, uh, concerned and anxious and fearful. We can look at the things on this earth and begin, ironically, strangely enough, though we would all say God is in control and he's going to win, start talking as if God is losing and will continue to lose ever worse in, on this earth. This is the two different temptations that we can be tempted by to become fatalistic or comfortable or to become fearful. Of course, the devil likes to find our specific frame of mind or our weakness and bring to us truths that enforce that weakness and weigh down the scale that should be balanced of truth with our flesh. Put the, put the truth that's on the side of our flesh, and then our flesh plus that truth weighs that down, and we lose sight of the balancing truth. We, of course, uh, will see this as we begin continue to develop this. But there, there is truth here, and we see it here in Revelations chapter 17. We see that the Lamb shall overcome them, and there are these, uh, these forces that are making war with the Lamb. We see both the war, we see the battle, and we see the ultimate end. Now, if, if after hearing uh, John read that, you were hoping I was going to dig deep into what uh, the seven and the eight things are and what all of these things represent, uh, that's not going to be, be, be me this morning. That's, uh, we're going to uh, keep the focus here mostly on verse 14. But we see represented here that there is a great battle raging. We uh, see this uh, not just in Revelation 17, but, our, but in our world as well. And we see in Revelations chapter 17, verse 14, the ultimate end. The Lamb shall overcome them. So, with this knowledge that we are given, this knowledge that we are to hold on to, that we are to know, even with the imperfect understanding that each one of us will have as to how this will actually transpire, what uh, these uh, prophecies relate to, what is our place in this story? Again, we look at this global battle between God and the devil. It's easy to think of it as deeply, deeply impersonal. We see the forces of evil, we see the forces of good, and then we look at ourselves. And we look at ourselves as, as just simple flecks of dust on an ocean that is raging. Waves that are tossing us around and that we appear to have no ability to control. And certainly, again, with balancing truth, it is true that 
in our battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, we in our flesh have no ability to do good or in any really meaningful way to alter uh, the course of global events, more than likely, or of, or of some of these other things. And yet, what do we see in Scripture? What we see in Scripture is that, that even as we see the blessed knowledge that it is that God will triumph, even as we see the forces of evil that are arrayed against us, we ourselves are given a part to play. We see this here at the end of verse 14. So we see the victory that is coming. We see the war that is happening. But we also see, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now, that describes all of us or could describe all of us. Because, of course, each one of us falls into only one of two categories. There's a lot of descriptors that you could make of each one of us that could differentiate us or find commonality between us. But ultimately, there are two different descriptions of us that have the most power and that will eventually make the most difference, and that is sheep and goats, saved and lost. And the ones we are seeing here in verse 14, hopefully, if we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, describe us, the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Each one of these categories, each one of these descriptions, is meaningful for our part in this great drama of redemption, in this great battle, and there are things that are important for us to focus on, certainly throughout the year, but especially at this time of year. The first that we see here is that we are called. We are called. That is a special thing. That's a special thing for us to meditate on. We are called and have been called and were called. If we are believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are saved, we are redeemed, it is because he called us. He called us as lost sheep. The fact that we are called is really incredible when you think about it. When you think about our worthlessness, when you think about our insignificance in the, simply in the course of recorded human history, in the context of our civilization. Now, maybe I've got some people here who are going to be remembered by history, but I would suspect that I will not be one of them. Probably quite a few people here, a thousand years from now, they're not going to be singing songs about you. I hate to break it to you. Uh, but our insignificance, our, our uh, bodies, our minds, which are so limited, limited in so many ways, and yet... God, the God of all the universe, the creator of all things, omnipotent and omniscient, chose to call each one of us individually. That's a great blessing. It's a great blessing. It's one that we should regard with incredible gratitude, continuing gratitude, and great humility. We are called. It's not through our works of righteousness. It's through his mercy that he saved us. And so, when we... Uh, are coming into a new year, and we're looking back. This is a call to look back. This is a, 
uh, a, a time to look back. And to look back not only on God as creator, but God as one who calls and has called. Now this is not only a past call, but it's also a present call. If there's anyone here today or within the sound of my voice who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are called. God is calling you to repentance today. Today is the day of salvation. This is a description. The called, the chosen, and faithful either describes you now and into the future, hopefully, uh, but could describe you if it does not describe you currently. We know that uh, there is a, it is a simple instruction. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But we are called to this incredible, incredible calling that uh, we are given. We are not simply called, but we are chosen. And again, if you think I'm going to be able to explicate in the next 10 to 15 minutes uh, and break down Calvinism and, uh, and uh, the idea of free will and break into a very simple explanation of how we are chosen and yet how we are also able to choose God, well, again, you're going to be disappointed. We're not going to get into that. However, I think uh, from my perspective, it is clear that we are chosen. There are many parts of Scripture beyond this that talk about us being chosen, and yet there are also many parts of Scripture in which the call is general. It is not God's will that any should perish. So certainly we are chosen. It's something that should humble us but it is also a choice that uh, we are given to make, that we are called to make. Now, why? what should be our reaction to being chosen? We see throughout Scripture that the choosing is as of a bride, perhaps in the sense of, a chur- of the church, or a choosing as of an adoptive, adopted child. For anybody that's ever spent any time around a family in which there has been children who have been adopted, you can understand or perhaps have experienced the great joy that there is in adoption and the great challenge that there is in adoption. And for many people, the choice of uh, who to adopt or the choice of uh, uh, things of that nature is a very can be a very difficult one, something that needs to be prayerfully made. You are making a lifelong, hopefully, commitment to a child who you are bringing in and not simply supporting, but making part of your family. And God has chosen us. It's something that when we are looking back, that we should come uh, to his, before his throne today in incredible gra- gratitude and worshipfulness. We have been chosen with the spirit of adoption. We cry, Abba, Father, to God. We have been chosen. This is something that as we come into the new year, we look back with gratitude on the call that has been made to us and God's choosing. Again, if you are not saved, God, I believe, is calling you. And I believe if you turn to him, he will not cast you out. This is something that could describe you as well. And then the last, the last portion here, the last descriptor, is faithful. Called and chosen are in in, uh, essence things that certainly have continuing power. We not not simply were called at one point in the past 
We continue to be called. We are called not only to salvation, but to sanctification. We are called, we are chosen, not simply uh, chosen to be saved, but we are chosen to work in God's harvest field. So this is not simply in the past. But this last descriptor of faithful is something that I found uh, uh, very powerful when I was reading this. You know, when we are looking forward, and not simply forward into the distant, distant future of the time when we are going to be by the tree of the life, worshiping the Lamb for eternity, but in the near-term future for our time on this earth, we are looking forward with uncertainty in a variety of different ways. There are certainly things that we can be certain about, and the Scripture tells us those things. We can look forward with absolute certainty about God's availability to us, his desire, his love towards us, his provision towards us, both of uh, of physical things that are needful to us and of spiritual things, spiritual power to be able to do his work as we are continuing to uh, follow him and follow the path that he has laid for our feet. We can depend on his promises. We can be certain of those things. And yet the uncertainty comes in into how, uh, what uh, area uh, our path will bring us into, what area God will bring us into, what part of ministering we will be called to engage in on a daily basis. And so therefore, this descriptor of faithful was so powerful to me. Because this, is not, this does not say they that are with him are called and chosen and a description of specific acts. Because for the rest of the day, we each are going to have to uh, follow the Spirit's leading as, what to, as to what we should do the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year as God gives us life. As we are sitting thinking about resolutions... It is certainly useful and appropriate to think about and look forward in ways that God can lead us in the upcoming year, in ways that God can lead us to purification and casting aside some sins that have beset us, in leading us forward in more intentional uh, acts of worship. Maybe God is leading me to read through the Bible or to do a specific Bible study on one book or to memorize this sort of scripture, or perhaps uh, to have some sort of intentional focus on uh, evangelism. I'm going to make sure uh, that with God's power, I uh, am going to attempt to give the gospel once a month or once a week, or uh, you know, give out a tract uh, on a reg- have tracts in my car, give them out on a regular basis. These are all useful things to consider and think about, but of course, we know that those resolutions are uh, simply our imperfect understanding of what God calls us to do in the future. You might say, well, hold on a second, James. I know it's God's will that I am to spread the gospel. Well, not necessarily, and I'll tell you exactly why. It may be that God's will is for me to never share the gospel again after this service because I go out to the parking lot and somebody skids on the ice and hits me. I have a resolution. I want to spread the gospel more. 
God's resolution may be, James, you can finish up, and then you're coming home. We don't understand the God's will for us in every situation because we do not know the circumstances that he will bring us into. Which is why the call here in looking forward is to remain faithful. Because remaining faithful does not depend on circumstance. Remaining faithful is not about a specific area of the ministry or a specific activity that we are to engage in. It is in a state of being. A state of being, a state of our spirit. As we walk on a daily basis through the life that God gives us each new day. It is a state of, uh, of crucifying our, our self and our old uh, flesh on a daily basis. Of trusting on a daily basis. On relying on God's power. And as he gives us vision and wisdom on a daily basis acting in a way that is consistent with his plan for our lives. This is what we are called to, to be faithful. And again, there's nothing wrong with, and in fact, it can be a very good thing to resolve in certain ways what uh, we will intend to do if God gives us the grace and the time to do things in the upcoming year. But one thing we can depend on, one thing we can know, is that uh, if we continue uh, faithful, we know that God is faithful. It's, this is a descriptor that is applied to us, but certainly it is applied in many parts of the scripture to God as well. So as we look at this incredible grand uh, uh, tapestry represented in our scripture that describes the end of, end of all things and the beginning of all things, as we see the great battle that is represented here, not simply in the pages of Scripture, but that we see both without and within, both without and within our own lives. And by the way, that's another thing that we can that I, I'll, I'll just briefly touch on. When we come to a new year, our focus can be in either comfort and uh, uh, simply uh, fatalism, as it were, in regards to both external or internal states. We can either look at the things outside of uh, our lives and say, God will take care of it, I don't have to worry about it, or look at the things outside and say, boy, things are going terribly, things are going horribly, and I am worried, I am uh, not able to uh, walk in trust. I'm not able to walk in faith because I think things are crumbling. Well, I, I talked about that earlier, but again, let me briefly touch on the same thing in regards to our own internal state. Anybody who has wrestled with their own flesh, anybody in, in fact who is a Christian and who is attempting to follow the Lord Jesus Christ has had perhaps at different times been on both sides of this either in terms of contentment with our own spiritual state in a way that is not uh, scriptural or godly, God is going to preserve me. None that have been delivered to Jesus Christ has he lost. Therefore, I've believed I'm going to heaven. I don't have to worry too much about 
uh, how I live or the state of my heart. Of course, we know that that is deeply unscriptural, but for some of us, that is our, our fleshly impulse. And then, of course, there's the opposite fleshly impulse, those wrestling against the flesh and saying, I've had losses. I've had setbacks. I've had, in fact, losses and setbacks that are very damaging. And I feel the weight of this sin so keenly, so hurtfully, so shamefully, that that itself the devil is using to keep me back from the Lord. Again, both of these things, both of these ways in which we allow truth to become out of balance can be a destructive to our walk. Again, just as we look outside of our body, outside of our lives, and see events, we can become uh, complacent or anxious. The same for our own spiritual states. So how ought we, going into a new year, looking back over an old year, to go forward? Well, there's a word that I've been uh, certainly bringing up uh, over and over, and that is gratitude. As we go into the new year, we ought to go into the new year with gratitude. When we look back over 2022, we ought to look back with gratitude. Because I don't know how your 2022 was. Maybe it was great. Maybe you're able to legitimately look back over 2022 and see the good. See the good uh, of growth in your life spiritually. Let's see growth in various other things and say 2022 was a good year. Maybe you're able to look back. Again, there's a danger. Make sure that you're not looking back over 2022 and saying it was a good year without focusing on the ways in which God is calling you to change and to repent over things in 2022. But you look back over 2022 and it's maybe easier to say, the Lord hath done great things for me in 2022, whereof I am glad. That, that's something that you're able to do, or maybe that's a little bit more difficult for you. But as Christians, we are certainly called to gratitude. We're called to gratitude for not simply the good times in 2022. It's not bad to rejoice in good experiences. It's not bad to rejoice in all of the good things that God gives us richly to enjoy. It's not bad to rejoice in that. We are also called, however, to be grateful to God and to be, praise him and be thankful for the trials and tribulations of 2022. We ought to look back over 2022 with gratitude as we look back. And not simply in 2022, but further back. As we look back over the course of our spiritual life. It should be unmitigated gratitude and humility. Because it is God who has empowered us. It is God who has called us. It is God who has chosen us. It's not our uh, any sort of intrinsic value that made God choose us. In fact, there is our own Righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not anything incredibly useful about us. And yet God has called us and has chosen us and has empowered us and has not simply adopted us but allowed us to take a role. Look at this. In this passage, they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. What, about, what great blessing that it is to be not simply adopted into a family but to be given a role in a victorious, victorious battle over 
the forces of evil. That is a great thing to be grateful for. So as we look back, let us look back with gratitude. Again, at the verse that I mentioned earlier, the Lord hath done great things for us, wherever we are glad. That is something that we hopefully can uh, say amen to and, and glorify God for. And how do we look forward? Well, again, as I said, when we look forward, we can't know, and I can't say for you with confidence, what application of this message or indeed of most scripture, God will have for you uh, in any specific circumstance. It may be, I can tell you what God's will for you isn't. Scripture, in many ways, is very clear on what God's will for you is not. It is not to engage in sin of a variety of different natures. I, if you were to, to, uh, to uh, bring me a list of potential activities for your afternoon on New Year's Day... I could certainly probably go through and say, this is something that is not in God's will for you. You're going to go, uh, you know, go erupt in anger on your family. No, no, no. Well, that's a, that's a bad thing. We're going to cross that one off the list. You're going to go and become uh, incredibly inebriated. No, cross that off the list. You can go down the line. Covetousness, lust. There's a variety of different things that... Uh, I can say with confidence, is not in God's will for you. However, you could bring me a different list with 10 different things on it, and I could say, all of those could be what God is calling you to this afternoon. Maybe God is calling you to spend the afternoon in prayer as you look forward to the new year. Maybe God is calling you to spend the afternoon reading scripture or memorizing scripture. But you know, maybe God is calling you to spend time in fellowship with your family. Maybe God is calling you to rest. Maybe God is calling you to, uh, to fast or to eat. There's so many different ways in which God can and does call us in ways that are scriptural and that are suited to our needs. And so what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to remain faithful. Our responsibility is to, uh, and this word faithful, by the way, this word faithful uh, has a variety of different connotations and a variety of different definitions, but two of the things that jumped out to me is faithfulness, first of all, is literally being full of faith, as being trusting. Certainly we know that that is something that God desires of us. We see in both the Old Testament and New Testament how many people we see as heroic, not simply because of the deeds that they did, but because of the faith that they had. The deeds uh, appear to be heroic, but it was the faith that drove them. That is what we are called to. We are called to continue to keep the faith. We are called to continue to trust in God's uh, work in us and through us and around us to continue to have faith in his goodness, and to continue in hope. That is something we are called to. We know that. We know that as we go into this upcoming year, that we are to remain full of faith. And in fact, we, are, we know that if we do not remain full of faith, if that faith begins to slip, and we allow it to slip, by the way, what, is it, what, what do I mean by allow it to slip? There's a lot of people who are wrestling with their faith. 
There are a lot of people who have wrestled with their faith. You know what? Having uh, wrestling in faith with God is not necessarily sinful. It's not necessarily sinful. When we talk about, when I talk about remaining faithful, I'm not talking about somebody who is going to the Lord and wrestling. I'm not talking about somebody who is saying, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who either from a lack of focus on God or a simple acceptance of the faithlessness uh, that the devil is attempting to sell has let faith slip. We are meant to be full of faith. And it is not simply, faithfulness does not simply uh, mean being full of faith. It also means being trustworthy, as in a, that person is a faithful employee. Doesn't necessarily mean he has a lot of faith in the company. It simply means that you can place your trust in him to do what is needed to be done. And we are called to be faithful both in our faith in God and in our trustworthiness in following God, in our consistency, in our determination to follow what he would have us to do. While we are on this earth, we do not, there are parts of our future that are, of course, uncertain. Not one of us knows how many days we have left, how many, maybe even hours we have left. We don't know how much time we have left. And we don't know what God will call us to do. We don't know how uh, that calling that we've had for a long time might change in the future. We don't know those things. And therefore, we are called on a daily basis to simply faithfully perform what God has placed in front of us. And that is something that we can look forward to in a new year with absolute confidence as to our specific role. I, I can't say with confidence whether I'll ever preach again. I can't say with confidence whether I'll ever teach Sunday school again. I can't say with confidence whether I'll even sleep again tonight. We, none of us know that. None of us know that. No matter our history, we don't know what God is calling us to do. However, I can resolve and I can des earnestly desire to remain faithful. Uh, what is the descriptor that God has for those who have pleased him when they get to heaven? I was thinking about this recently because uh, my uncle, uh, who, was, who was a Christian man and uh, a great example in many ways, I was thinking about uh, uh, him uh, uh, recently as he passed and thinking about and imagining being, him being welcomed to heaven with uh, a good and faithful servant from the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to desire earnestly to, when we get to heaven, to be described by the Lord. What an honor to be described as being both good and faithful. And therefore, that should be our desire, that should be our uh, earnest desire, that should be our earnest resolution to uh, take into this new year. So, as we look at the forces uh, of good and evil that appear to be raging around us, certainly uh, spiritually, but also as we uh, are brought at all times, usually by a media that is attempting to inflict us with fear and anxiety in a variety of different ways, 
as we are looking internally at the great struggle that is going on in our own hearts on a daily basis, perhaps, a struggle against sin in our lives, as we are looking back over a year in which perhaps there have been great triumphs through God's grace and great setbacks, as we are looking forward to a future that is uncertain in the short term, but certain in the long term, let us strive, let us seek the Lord's strength, let us determine to be described by these words. Let us determine that we, can, we will, by God's grace, be a people, and not just a people generally, but be individuals who could be described and will be described someday as called and chosen and faithful. And hopefully that will give us the, the humility, the gratitude of our place in God's plan, of the value that he has placed on us through no worth of our own, but also of the part that we are to play and the manner in which we are to play it, faithfully for God has called us.